Ever since the debacle with Wizards of the Coast, or rather the series of debacles with Wizards of the Coast at the beginning of this year, a lot of groups have been looking for new systems to bring to the table. Savage Worlds is a fast network of systems and settings, all using the same mechanical base that can be used for traditional fantasy games and sci-fi space battles and just about everything in between. But the Savage Worlds have over a hundred books in their library. Where do you start? We're going to go through all of the major differences and changes you can expect switching from 5e D&D to Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds to me is the RPG system I will use for well, I collect a lot of old RPGs, and not all of them have aged very well, but they have settings that I really like, and Savage Worlds is the thing that I use usually to adapt them in some way. So I'm excited to talk about this. I can't emphasize enough how Savage Worlds acts like a base and a template. Savage Worlds itself doesn't have a setting or even a genre, it's just a unique and flexible mechanical core that all sorts of games can grow out of and intermingle. Old veterans who remember GURPS will find a lot of familiar territory here, with the potential for vastly different games played using the same base rules. This makes games where you bridge genres especially perfect for Savage Worlds, since mechanically things as disparate as Roman legionaries, wizards, aliens, superheroes, and cruise missiles can all comfortably play together without the game breaking down. Fundamentally, Savage Worlds is a cinematic system that lends itself towards big emotional conflicts and climaxes. It has low levels of crunch while still letting characters feel unique, and it can flex to fit stories focused on practically any setting or scope. It is, however, very different from 5e D&D, if that's what you're used to. If all that sounds like what you're looking for, then Savage Worlds is a great fit. I mentioned earlier that Savage Worlds has a ton of books, and I won't lie, it can be very confusing to parse out at first. But to start playing, you really only need a single core rulebook, and that's Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Savage Worlds doesn't like to exactly number their editions, but the Adventure Edition is the newest edition that you should be picking up. This single core book is available in PDF form for typically only $10, and it covers everything you'll need from core rules, character creation, and game mastery. If you're anything like me, the fact that Savage Worlds has a ton of unique settings is definitely a selling point for you, many of which have dozens of books devoted to them with a long and rich gaming history all their own. To play in these settings, you'll need their core books, which build upon the basic Adventure Edition book. All these books work together, or rather can work together, it all depends on what elements you want to include in your campaigns. We'll go into each of these into more detail a little bit later, but for now, let's go over all the major options and what books you'll need to get. First we have Deadlands. An alternate American history filled with cowboys, zombies, and steampunk wonders, Deadlands is probably the most popular of the Savage World settings, and for a very good reason. If you want an extra Wild West, you'll need to start with the following books. Both of these can be found pretty easily as PDFs for about $10 each these days. Be careful though and make sure you get the latest editions as there are earlier versions floating around out there. Next we have the one that I'm most familiar with, Weird Wars. Take a real world conflict and add a little bit of dark magic to it and that's pretty much what you get with Weird Wars. Think Wolfenstein, Hellboy, or Valkyria Chronicles, which if you know me, these are all things that I love. It's no surprise that I'm so into Weird Wars. Each Weird Wars book focuses on a different war with options for World War I, II, future conflicts, and battles in ancient Rome. To get started in a Weird War, you're going to need at least one of the following books. The unfortunate part about these books is that they were all written before the current edition. 
conversion between Savage Worlds Edition isn't the most difficult thing in the world, but it'll still be a pain, especially if you're new to the system. Something I know a lot of people are going to be interested in is the Superpowers Companion. Less a spin-off game and more of a supplement, this single book contains everything you'll need to turn your Savage Worlds game into a superhero adventure. It's over 200 pages of superpowers and all the comic book trappings surrounding a superhero-filled world. Sadly, once again, this book was written before the current edition, and to play it, you'll have to do some conversion work. Next, we have the Suede Fantasy Companion. If you're itching to use Savage Worlds for a more traditional fantasy adventure, you'll want this book to fill out the fantasy tropes. Savage World isn't built to fit any setting or era, but that means it definitely falls short of things like 5e and Pathfinder when it comes to standard fantasy content. This book does a great deal to fill in the blanks and flesh out your Savage World fantasy adventures. Thankfully, this book was updated for the latest edition, meaning there's no conversions needed. And then we have Savage Rifts. Savage Rifts, or just Rifts if you prefer, is Savage World's sci-fi setting and supplement for everything aliens, lasers, and spaceships. If you're looking to go for a science fiction angle, you'll want Rifts powering your campaign. To get started in Rifts, you're only strictly going to need one book, and that's the Tomorrow Legion Player's Guide, or Rifts 1. The Tomorrow Legion's Player Guide acts as a Rifts core book, but if you're planning on playing a lot of Rifts or think there's a chance that your group might really like it, you're probably also going to need to pick up Rifts 2, The Game Master's Handbook, and Rifts 3, Savage Foes of North America. I also recommend picking up Rifts if you plan on doing any genre shifting or portaling shenanigans. As the name implies, Rifts focuses a lot on Rifts in reality that can bridge any setting or time period your devious GM brain can think to combine. So what dice are you going to need? Similar to D&D, you'll need a set of polyhedral D4, D6, D8, D10, D12, and a D20. You'll also need an additional D6 that is different from the first D6 to use as a wild die. For those of you that have briefly looked into Savage Worlds before, you might have asked, I need cards? And the answer is yes. Savage Worlds uses a normal deck of playing cards for certain parts of the game. If you're playing Deadlands, it uses cards a lot, but even in other settings, you'll be pulling out a deck and shuffling them quite often. The table only needs a single deck, which usually is brought by the Game Master. Now let's go over some of the fundamental rules in Savage Worlds, starting with trait rolls and target numbers. Savage Worlds isn't a d20 system, and rather than adding a bunch of bonuses to a single die, you'll be upgrading or downgrading the die that you roll. If a character is able to do something, but they're bad at it, they're probably rolling a d4. If they're good at it, maybe they're rolling a d8. How good a character is at something is determined by their attributes and traits, which you'll see on the character sheet as D6 or D8, indicating what they'll roll for that sort of check. The standard TN, or target number, you need to succeed on anything is 4, but depending on all sorts of circumstances, the Game Master can apply bonuses or negatives to your roll, or they might even change the target number altogether for really difficult things. Now let's move on to Wild Dice. Whenever a character rolls for a check, they also roll an additional D6, which is called a Wild Die and then you take the highest of the two results. This helps with the harsh swing of a single die roll and mathematically smooths out a lot of the other variants. So if you have a d4 in a trait, you're actually rolling 1d4 and 1d6, then taking the highest result. And then we have aces, raises, and critical failures. When you roll the maximum possible result on a die roll, and that could be your trait die, your wild die, or even both, you get what's called an ace. When you ace a roll, you get to roll the die again and add it to the result. Let's say you have a d4 in Athletics and you roll a 4 on the d4 and a 5 on the Wild Die, or the d6. The d4 aced and you roll another d4 getting a 3, and then you add the total to the original 4 for a total of 7. 
That gives your dice result a 7 and a 5. Since you always take the highest roll, your final result for the check is a 7. If you roll particularly high on a check, you get what's called a raise that adds additional benefits to your check. To raise a check, you need to get double the target number. Let's say your character is extremely smart and has 1d12 in science and you roll a 9 for analyzing some glowing goo. Assuming a normal target number of 4, you've doubled the target with a 9 and get a raise. Each skill and attribute have their own unique additional benefits granted by the raise. And in science's case, you get to learn even more in-depth scientific information than you would if you had just gotten a regular success. So for our glowing goo, the normal success might determine that it's toxic and dangerous, but a raise check might also determine what sort of a creature exuded it, or it might even give you an interesting way or method in order to use it for your own benefit. Critical failures are the fumbles of this system, and they happen when both of your rolls result in a 1. On a critical failure, you automatically fail on whatever it is you're trying to do, and something extra bad happens as determined by the GM. And I just hope your GM is cool. And then we have Benny's. Savage World uses a system called Benny's, which they claim is an American slang term for benefits, but as an American, I can tell you they had to have made that up, or that's just Moon Man talk. Benefits, or... Bennies work a lot like inspiration in 5e, a criminally underused mechanic, by the way. Each player gets three bennies at the start of each session, and the GM is meant to award them with extra bennies whenever they roleplay really well or do something cool or noteworthy. Players can then spend their bennies on making rerolls, preventing damage, or even for asking the GM for help or clues and stuff like that. And now let's move on to action cards, or initiative. The primary thing that the deck of playing cards is used for is initiative. Rather than rolling for initiative, every player and NPC is dealt a playing card, and the GM can choose to deal them face up or face down. Going from ace to two, characters take their actions, resolving ties using the card suits, going from spade to diamond to heart to club. Jokers are always left in the deck, and they're extra special. When someone is dealt a joker, all the players receive a benny, and after that round, all the cards are shuffled again. People dealt a joker can also cut in with their action at any time in the round, even interrupting their enemies. Now let's talk about damage and wounds. Perhaps the biggest departure from 5e in Savage Worlds is how they handle damage. When a character is successfully hit by an attack and damage is rolled, that damage isn't subtracted from a hit point total. Instead, it's compared to the target's toughness, and if the damage total exceeds the toughness, they're damaged. When a character gets damaged, they become shaken, scraped up, but not mechanically hurt in any way. But if they're damaged while they're already shaken, they get wounded instead. Wounds are serious business in Savage World, and they can potentially turn into permanent injuries. Wounded characters take a cumulative negative one penalty to all their checks, equal to the number of wounds they have. Finally, once a character takes three wounds, they must make a vigor check to see if they get a temporary injury, a permanent injury, or if they immediately die. And any wounds past that incapacitate the player. Wounds are difficult to heal up as well. And if your setting doesn't have magical healing and you don't get first aid within an hour of taking the wound, you're stuck waiting for natural recovery. Naturally, healing a wound in Savage Worlds takes a vigor test every five days for the chance to heal up. Now let's talk about switching to Savage Worlds as a game master, because there are some major departures from going to 5e over to Savage Worlds. And to start with it, I think we should talk about cinematic combat. Mechanically, 5e is essentially just a resource game. You use smaller encounters to waste some of the party's resources like hit points and spell slots before challenging them with a boss, allowing them to rest and regain their spent resources before starting the cycle over again. 
Savage Worlds doesn't really work like that. The only resources players typically have to spend are bennies, unless magic and powerpoints are involved in some way. And their capabilities are simply their capabilities. With the way toughness and damage works, most underlings will cinematically crumble under the onslaught of the protagonist and our heroes will emerge unscathed except for inconsequential scrapes and bruises. This means you're going to have to think in movie terms. The hero getting wounded is a big deal, and that should be only happening at critical moments. It'll take a bit of a mental shift to get used to, believe me I know, but I find that the end result is very satisfying and makes for an entertaining game, especially when you're recounting the whole thing afterward. You've just got to reorient your thinking from a dungeon crawl and boss fight mentality over to the highs and lows of an action movie. A big piece of advice I give to dungeon masters all the time in 5e I think still applies here and can even be taken to a much further conclusion. I've always said that you have to tell your stories in beats in order to avoid things like railroading and also to avoid just running things completely off of improv. Have big story beats planned, but don't necessarily have a time that you're going to use them. It's all about kind of knowing in the moment when you can. But this system, especially this combat system, makes it a lot easier to tell your story in a lot of really cool beats. If something big doesn't happen in an earlier combat session, you can always throw it at them later. I, I think a lot of you DMs out there will not only adjust, but kind of flourish in this combat system. Now let's talk about awarding bennies. Let's talk about awarding bennies. In 5e, many players abandon the inspiration mechanic altogether, which I, again, maintain is a mistake. But its equivalent bennies are a much more integral part of Savage Worlds. Every player gets three bennies at the start of each session and loses any unspent bennies at the end of every session. That is a deliberate choice to encourage players to use them and not hoard them like, well, like dragons. You should be giving out bennies frequently, especially at the start of a session. And typically you should slow down on bennies when the situation gets really tense. Ideally, each player should feel free to spend bennies on things that are important to them, while still having some left over for helping with combats that spring up. The scientists should feel free to use that benny to make sure they succeed on a science check, since that's the thing they're designed and built to do, without feeling like they wasted some super valuable resource. And now moving on to advancements, Savage Worlds doesn't have levels. Instead, you can award advancements that the players can spend on increasing their stats or gaining new features. There's no hard rules for when to advance your players, it just depends on how fast you expect a campaign to be. Some games may want to advance at the end of every session, some might advance every few sessions, or after every major accomplishment or milestone. Either way, you'll want to play around with this and find what kind of feels right for you and your group. But know that the advancements are much less significant than 5e levels. The fundamental power level of a party won't change much for each advancement. They'll just get slightly better at some things or gain a new ability. As a rough estimate, I would say think of each advancement as around half of a 5e class level. Yeah, that seems right. When it comes to switching to Savage Worlds as a player, we should definitely go through the biggest changes you'll feel then, because again, there are some seismic changes, such as, well, one of my favorite things about it, honestly, and that's the classless system. Starting a Savage Worlds character means putting points in your attributes and skills, picking a race, and possibly taking some hindrances in exchange for better stats or some edges. Think of edges like feats, if you... yeah, it's pretty much the same. What you won't find here are classes or levels. Some edges, particularly background edges, feel a bit like classes or themes, but your abilities are defined by your skills and edges, and there's no pre-built class system or structure. 
it can take some getting used to, but once you realize that this allows you to do practically anything, it's extremely freeing. If you guys know of any other RPGs that have a classless uh, character building system to them, please let me know down in the comments because those are some of my some of my favorite RPGs have that as a built-in feature, and I just want to learn about more of them. 5e really conditions us into just making attacks and rolling damage, but Savage World has some more depth than that. You can always make called shots targeting different parts of a creature with potentially very different effects and difficulties. Break that guy's legs, hit the gaps in the armor, shoot that monster in a big obvious weak point, whichever. These are things that you're able to do in this system. Again, if you guys know other RPGs that do things like this, please let me know because some of my favorite older RPGs from the late 80s and early 90s, there are a ton that have this kind of feature in it, and I'm surprised more don't do this. So let me know if there are more out there. Now let's talk about the four armor sets, and this is going to make you Fallout fans feel right at home. Just like you can make called shots, you've also got your own weak points to worry about. You have a different armor rating for your legs, arms, torso, and head. Most attacks by default go towards your torso, but you'll still need to track your different armor sets separately in case something aims for your head or tries to shoot that gun out of your hands. Let's end this video out with some FAQs real quick, starting with what edition is current? The short answer is Adventure Edition is the current version that you should be using, unless one of the older settings that we talked about earlier in the video seems appealing to you. The long answer is that Savage Worlds doesn't number editions, but there are three distinct Savage Worlds editions, technically four, but three that matter. <sighs> We've got the Explorer's Edition, which is technically an update to the very first book, but it's the oldest version you'll likely find in use. We've got the Deluxe Edition. This was the longest running edition, and a lot of the supplements will still reference Deluxe Edition rules. And then we have the Adventure Edition. This is the current edition that focuses on streamlining and simplifying a lot of the more complex parts of the deluxe edition. Can I run old Savage Worlds books? Uh, yes, of course you can. You can even just straight up use the older editions if you'd like to, and there's a ton of support and supplements for them. I do really recommend using the newer Adventure Edition rules if you can as your base, as it fixed a lot of the problems and smoothed out a lot of the rougher edges. As someone that likes older RPGs myself, that's not as much of a problem, but it's probably worth bringing up right now. Books written for the Deluxe Edition are fairly painless to convert over to the new rules, and many of the online resources for them also include handy conversion guides. Can I mix settings? Yes, in fact, it's encouraged. Each supplement, like Deadlands or Rifts, has their own lore and mechanics to work with, but they're all modular and easily interchanged, and as a lot of you dungeon masters out there, we all know how malleable any kind of lore can be. As the game master, you can feel free to mix and match any Savage Worlds books you feel like to your heart's content. You may just have to include a settings core book as well if you want to use some of their extra supplements. Savage Worlds is a solid and streamlined base that can be used for practically any setting without skipping a beat. It's not the absolute best system for any given setting, but as a jack-of-all-trades, it works beautifully to blend whatever genres and styles together that you can come up with. It's a very different experience than 5e D&D, but it can take you to so many other places that other systems just can't handle. I highly recommend Savage Worlds and its many settings, particularly if you've got a genre-defying idea for a campaign. Like I said, I have loved Savage Worlds for a long time, and if there's one thing I can be thankful for uh, Wizards of the Coast kind of shooting themselves in the foot for, it's that I now have an excuse to talk to not only uh, you guys out there, but a lot of my personal friends about Savage Worlds and other systems that I really want to try. 
Um, I usually use it to convert, like I said, older RPGs that I find that just have rules that are a little over my head or just too complicated to run. So we'll just revert to that, especially because a lot of the older RPGs I find are historical or use really dated sci-fi concepts. Well, you know, like analog sci-fi and all that. So it's really fun for things of that nature. And yeah, I recommend Savage Worlds to any group out there that's looking to expand into sci-fi or something else, or if they just want combat that works completely different from 5e. I think that's one thing a lot of people are starting to realize they may not really like about 5e. Uh, not that I think combat's bad in 5e, but I just think it's interesting how people are usually quick to compliment other, <laughs> other systems' combat. So just... Anyway, yeah, I like Savage Worlds. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content all the time. And if you and your group are going to be trying Savage Worlds, I'd love to hear about it down in the comments, as well as what type of setting and all that kind of stuff. But what really drove you to try it? I'd really like to hear it. Uh, thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skullsplitter Dice. And until next time, farewell.